2: Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you
1: ready? Well, let's get it all. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada,
0: this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll
1: it!
2: What's up, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your thursday morning delivery and we're excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest and mixed martial arts and other combat sports i'm not gonna lie every it happens every once in a while so i throw that out kind of like to save us all right so two interviews headed your way anthony pettis and michael chandler when we'll discuss the latest news a few things happening here as we close out 2023 with some fighters stepping in on short notice for fighters who have gotten injured we'll be right back to start the show should be a good one all right folks so before we get into the show just want to say Our dear city of Las Vegas is going through yet another tragedy. Uh, Earlier today, there was a gunman at the University of Nevada Las Vegas campus. Goes his alma mater who killed three people. And including him, there's four dead on that campus. So it was a shooting. And I believe when it's four or more, it's regarded as a mass shooting. And it's sad. Uh, So our hearts go out to those affected, not just the ones that passed away. Of course, those paid the ultimate price for somebody's cowardly act. But, you know, their families, and then there's going to be a lot of people that are shaken up. And I heard something interesting on the radio today. Can you imagine if you somehow, whether it was you directly or someone you knew, and you were affected by that shooting one October of 2017, and then. And then somehow are attached to this one. Jeez, that's just horrible. So keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Goes. Um, it, it was your school. Uh, that's where you got your psychology degree. Is there anything you want to say before we start the show? Because I know that you yeah. are very familiar with where this took place. I mean, you could probably
3: picture. Oh yeah. You know, picture what what happened as they described it. Perfectly. Um, you know it. It sucks because. In my lifetime, other than college, I just never, ever thought in the back of my mind or anything that something like that would ever happen. And I say up until college because I was initially accepted and was going to go to Virginia Tech. And the year that I was supposed to go into Virginia Tech is when they had their shooting. Mm-hmm. So I would have been well aware of, of all that. But I never had that feeling at UNLV. And the place where this went down is very, very heavily populated. And I've, I've had classes before in Beam Hall. And so it's, it's right next door to the student union. And the student union is always packed. And so from what I heard today, where they had this was right outside of those two buildings. And what a lot of times they'll do is like when they're... Uh, pledging fraternities or they just they'll have like fun little exercises out out in that little area where like i'll give you an example when i went to school there they would always have during finals week uh like a beat up old car and then you would go out there and you were allowed to beat the crap out of it basically to relieve stress Mm -hmm. and they would put that there in that area so there was just always a lot of people kind of like when you watch the movies a high school campus when people were just eating outside and stuff and just yeah. kind of hidden. that's that's that area so this guy that did that uh did it in one of the most highly populated areas on campus mm. and it sucks nobody should have to worry about any of this type of stuff when you're going to school like that you're there to learn you're you're there to experience college meet new people not have to worry about this bullshit. and luckily when i was there there was a decent amount of security, but there's also like a mini police station there, too. So there was just always police or security around. There's phones where you can call if you see anything. And it just so happened to be somebody very close when that went down and probably saved a lot of lives. Yeah, I definitely want to commend the
2: first responders. They acted quickly. Put this guy away and they haven't released a name or anything. In fact, one could say, how do you know it was a the guy? They kind of let that one squeak out, I think. But uh, either way, three lives were lost. I think there's a victim at the hospital who's stable. And then along the way, like I said, this is just going to mentally traumatize a lot of people. Man, imagine being a freshman away from college. You didn't book at home for Thanksgiving. You said, no, nah, I'll just power through, get to get through my finals, and then I'll come home. Uh, and now you're going to come home pretty shaken up. Maybe decide to stay home or who knows, but here's the thing, folks, you know, that other one was at Mandalay Bay. That was our home for mm, 11 years every day. How do you guys think we got to 3,400 episodes every day for 15 years? We did that show and 11 of them were at Mandalay Bay. That guy when he did the shooting, it was found out later on, he had checked in like 2 weeks prior. Now, that was when I wrecked my knee, so I wasn't personally there, but goes and Dan Tom were and I just think about how many times they may have cuz this guy would go back and forth to bring his stuff in through suitcases. Did they ever stand next to him at the Starbucks line? Did mm-hmm. they ever wash their hands next to him after taking a leak? Did they ever park their cars next to this guy or share an elevator? It's kind of creepy, man, to know that guy lived there for two weeks as he was preparing that whole, you know, to do that. So that was pretty close to home. Yeah, we walked in through the same door every day. That was like a ground zero. And then this other one, this, this UNLV thing, man, that can be pretty haunting. But anyway... A lot of you know that we like to share our personal lives with you, and Goz and I actually had a little bit of a business meeting downtown. Normally, we get there in half an hour. It took us two hours today because freeways were shut, streets were overloaded, there was detours, closures, and uh, we finally got there, but luckily, the person that we were meeting with understood because this was big news here in Las Vegas. We got there and all that, but man like just this is really really a sad time any shooting's a sad time but mm-hmm. vegas around the f- late september there's always that reminder of the anniversary date i mean that was the worst one i think in united states history in terms of the numbers of uh, dead and injured and all that and yeah it it took it the city the a long time to recover for that one and now this this thing happened here
3: you know it um as bad as the first shooting was if you could pull out any silver lining it's that it took a community that when i first moved here it was very divided because everybody normally i'd say 50 percent of the people that are here in vegas have come from somewhere else it's kind of not odd but when you hear somebody say yeah i'm born and raised here Uh, You go, oh, really? You know, and it should kind of be the other way around. Mm -hmm. And it's not like back home where all of your neighbors usually grew up with you there. Some of them in in the same house. Over here, everybody comes from somewhere else. And so that sense of community wasn't really there as much. But after that shooting with the Vegas Golden Knights just going on, and it just kind of brought the whole community together. And uh, that's something that has stayed since that time. And so um, if anything, I think the people here in Las Vegas have shown that they can stay together, be together and overcome things. And it's just unfortunate that we have to deal with this again, you know, and even in a different situation. And, And it's a situation that like a lot of people, you know, or maybe yourself, a lot of people go to college. A lot of people go to concerts to not feel safe in these environments is pitiful. It's something that's got to change.
2: Completely agree. And that was the first season of the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they uh, they started the season a few days later, and so they honored the first responders, some of the survivors there, and and then of course the Vegas Golden Knights went on a magical run. A lot of you will recall. They made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They lost to the Washington Capitals, but they made it. And that was pretty historic for uh, a franchise, you know, to to do that in their first year in any sport. So to get to the Stanley Cup Final, and and they actually won Game One of the Stanley Cup Finals, and then I think Washington came back and won the next four. But either way, it was the com- the community, the Las Vegas community, did become closer because of that and it also helped that there was just a new team in town a new show in town that a lot of people could go to that was successful and they if you've ever watched the vegas golden knights they play a fun a fun brand of hockey and they make the show uh it's sporting but it's entertainment as well some might view it as a little corny i guess if you're kind of hardcore northeast from a Northeast city where you show up to, to watch hockey, to see some fights and throw down some beers and go home. Over here there's a little glitz and glamour. But either way, I think people have gotten used to it. And even the people that come to town and watch, they say, yeah, hey, that's pretty cool. But a lot of that, like I say, was spearheaded by a bunch of players. They call themselves the Misfits. Uh, they were castaways from other teams, and they came and they played well, and maybe they were inspired by the city. Who knows? But, yeah, that was six years ago, and here
3: we're going to have to go through it again. Yeah, it's like, you know, almost, you guys always hear, you know, we're from the main streets of Santa Ana. That's where we grew up. That's where we were raised. But I've been here quite a while. And George is only one year behind me. And we have really adopted and adapted to this city and watched this city grow. You have to remember that this city grows like two to three times faster than any other place that you know of be just because of how much money comes in and and all the new restaurants and buildings that get built so quickly uh so this hurts it it hits us in the heart because this is our new home and we've been here long enough where it it does really cut you you know Uh, even though we love orange county and and that is home vegas is has been our home now for quite a while and so um yeah this one sucks See, you're 45, right? I'm 45.
2: And you got here at 29. So 29 years in California. And now mm-hmm. you've done 16 years in Las Vegas. So, yeah, it's it's definitely evening out for you. Anyway, folks, if you know anyone in Vegas, reach out to them. You never know if somebody has a kid that went there or works or somebody that might work there or somebody that might be a teacher there. Who knows? A few people reached out to us, and uh, that was very nice. You know, goes graduated in 2010, so it's been a while. But either way, he has been known to go to that campus to catch a, a hoops game from time to time or whatever. And I think Ghost says, you know, some friends that's, that work there, right, Brian?
3: Yeah, they were in lockdowns for three hours.
2: Damn, that's crazy. That That's, I don't know. I, I hope I never have to go through that. Um, all right. Well, let's get to some of the news and then we'll talk to Anthony Pettis. I believe he's queued up first. One thing that jumped out of me goes was for UFC 296. The co-main event is Alexander Pantoja. He defends his flyweight title against Brandon Royval. Solid matchup. I love it. It's organic. This guy just beat Brandon Moreno for the title, did Pantoja. His first title defense is against Royal, who's worked his way through appropriately. But guess who the backup fighter is? It's actually Brandon Marino. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, well, that's kind of cool, I think. I mean, he isn't a sellable name. Probably a bigger name than either one of the other two. But why him? Like, Not to go back and steal Dan Dan Tom's thunder, but there does seem it was either him or Matt Wells Boy, the UFC likes to reheat a lot of food in the microwave and bring it (laughs) back out to us. I'm not hating Marino. And anyway, A, he's a gangster. B, his fights never suck. C, he sells fights. He gets people excited to watch fights, including the big country of Mexico that's so passionate for its combat sports heroes. I don't want anyone to take that as me hating but I'm just thinking, like a guy like Amir Al I'm not sure. I think he's only lost once in his career. You know, he's looked pretty good uh, as of late, right? Yeah. I think he just got booked though, right? Like yesterday or the day before. Right, but before but, that happened, yeah. why not him be the backup for this? Like, why Marino? I mean, if Marino gets himself a paycheck and doesn't fight, all right, cool. I'm not gonna hate on on anyone's hustle at all. But if they do, in fact, need him, why him? What if he was so needed, then run it back and just say, we thought Marino was a quality champion and he deserves to run it back. They know they can't tell us that because we did a four series between him and Figueiredo, right? So that was shoved down our throats quite a bit. So mm-hmm. to feel like, you know, like I say, if if they would have just been upfront and honest and said, yeah, you know what? He deserves the rematch, the immediate rematch. I guess I would have probably criticized it and then said, but here we are and ready to enjoy it but why he's going in as the backup fighter just trips me out it's just these bizarre decisions the ufc makes
3: i don't really trust anyone to be honest in this position because this is a little bit different we're very close we're in the middle of holiday season i don't know unless you have a fight i think people people purposely avoid this time because they want to be able to eat whatever they want at Thanksgiving and hang out with family and go on vacations. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at Brandon Moreno just the other day, and he had like a picture of pancakes and I don't know what he was gorging on. Like, I don't know that anybody's really in fight fighting shape right now. Um, so I kind of don't trust anyone. But that that is a little odd, yeah.
2: I mean, Manel Kape just had a nice win in Australia. He's booked to fight Matthias Nicolaou. But like I said, they could have not booked him against Matias Mikola and just said, You're the backup. You know, he's a fresh name. Uh, Amir Albazi's a fresh name. Askar Askarov, uh, he's a fresh name. I mean, I guess he just lost to Kaikara France, but I don't know. That, that was like a year ago that he lost to him. But regardless, so I think Cop and Albazi are just two decent names to freshen things up.
3: Yeah, it's just weird. Mm hmm. But, you know, chances are we're not even hopefully we don't need them. Right.
2: Speaking of. Yeah, I, I guess in a way you're right. We hopefully don't need them. And the two guys that deserve to be there can make the walk. There is another uh, fight switch. This one actually comes a week sooner because that fight is December 16th. We'll be doing a UFC 296 watch along. So tune in like you always do for us on those watch-alongs, especially those of you that choose not to get the pay-per-view will be your eyes and ears, but this week, there's UFC Fight Night 233, and this week, we had a switch, so Sue Mudigeri is now facing Tim Elliott. Any thoughts on this fight? Elliott is the one that's stepping in on late notice, less than two weeks, maybe even less than that. It all depends on when they actually found out about this news and, you know, how long they've known or whatever, but You have any thoughts on this one?
3: It's funny because one of the last dudes I would ever want to face on short notice is a guy like Tim Elliott because his cardio always seems to be down. He's always in the gym and he's just so awkward. You know, no matter what it is you're preparing for, Mm -hmm. throw it out the window because now you got to deal with this Tasmanian devil. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like one of those guys that no matter what, I would hate to have to face that guy on short notice. I think he's kind of a a live dog on this one.
2: He is. He's got that wrestling. He's got cardio and he's experienced. So this won't phase him one bit. It might be a tougher weight cut or whatever, but he'll be fine. Um, But here's the thing. He lost to Mokayev, if you'll recall. Right. At at the UFC 294 in October. Why didn't they call Mokaev? He's undefeated for crying out
3: loud. Oh, you Um, know what? It might be him that I think uh, has a fight. Mm. but yeah but Mokaev is a stud I, I like that guy mm-hmm. yeah I don't know <laughs> it's odd I
2: mean he he always says he wants to fight more often so I, I would have thought I'd go to the guy that won his most recent fight than the guy that lost although I guess in a way Mokaev could possibly even be regarded more as a title challenger who knows that Alan Nascimento was the one that was supposed to face Tim Elliott but It'll sorry, was supposed to fight Sue Mudigeri. He's out, Nascimento's out. Elliot steps in. I I guess this one doesn't bother me as much as hearing the thing about Marino. Um, and maybe Mokayev has you know, maybe they have other plans for him, but he I remember him clearly saying he wants to fight more often and he was a little disappointed he doesn't fight more often. So hopefully, he at least got that call. Maybe he turned it down or. Who knows what he's he's got Alex Perez in Saudi Arabia. But that's not till March. True. Yeah. I just like the idea of being close to the champion in terms of the timeline. So fighting one week before in this town and sticking around, you know, I don't know. I think that would have been key. All right. Let's get to our first guest, Anthony Pettis. He's got a fight coming up at Karate Combat on December 15th here in Las Vegas. You can watch the fights for free on their YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash karate combat. Pretty easy to remember. His opponent will be Benson Henderson. This will be the third time they've tangled. Once when Anthony Pettis beat Benson Henderson for the WEC featherweight title, that's when the showtime kick was uh, unleashed. And then they fought again in the UFC, and he submitted Benson Henderson. And at that time, Benson was the most unsubmittable fighter in the ufc like there had been 50 attempts at a submission and he had defended them all and pettis actually got him quite kind of quick um a lot of us had this even the broadcast team was like what happened what just happened did he do it it was in milwaukee actually too if i'm not mistaken but yeah he's beaten him twice so this should be interesting we'll be right back with showtime What is up, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous Georgian Gozer back with another superstar in the world of combat sports. We've covered him through WEC, through the UFC, PFL. Now he's getting down for Karate Combat. Karate Combat's actually taking place here in Las Vegas. And an old foe has popped up. He will meet him in that pit at KC43 on December 15th. Don't worry. It's free on YouTube check it out you go to youtube.com forward slash karate combat which by the way looks to be a pretty cool channel so hit that like and subscribe for those guys and you'll see some cool stuff there welcome back showtime how are you good man
1: can't complain just in between training sessions like always
2: yeah all right so uh what drew you to karate combat aside from my i get it you're a prize fighter they probably uh sent you something you know that impressed you there but what were you drawn to highlights? Was it the opponent? What, what was it?
1: Man, honestly, a little bit of all of it. Um, I was watching karate combat for a while. Um, I just didn't know like who, who was running the, 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 the program on the show over there, if you will. Um, but so I was getting ready for a boxing fight in February. So I was already in training camp. I was ready in shape. Um, you know, not, not, not in fight shape, but I was, you know, preparing my body to go into a camp and, uh, the opportunity came up. You know, it was in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm a resident here now, my second hometown. And then the opponent, obviously Ben Henderson. We got so much history together. I uh, just all made sense. Hmm.
2: By the way, speaking of boxing, did any part of you ever think of just hey, one and zero against an all-time great? I'm out. Or you really want to? You want to pursue that some more? It sounds like.
1: No, am percent i want to pursue it more man i'm sparring and i'm sparring good guys i just sparred uh uh lara uh tuesday i'm sparring him again tomorrow he's getting mm-hmm. ready for uh danny garcia i sparred kayla plant for his last camp so i mean i know my skill set in boxing is you know i just i just had a I, not that i didn't have the time i didn't have the opportunities to fight over there yet so yeah this year i plan to do at least three boxing fights oh wow okay you mean 2024 right
2: Twenty twenty four, yeah, of course. Okay. All right, and so if I can do, do three fights in twenty twenty three, that'd be G. <laughs> that'd be in the. That'd be like UFC one, all in one night, or something like that. Um, all right, so now let's get back to karate combat, Benson Henderson. Um, you know, you're kind of you're a gambler. I know you are. Don't hide it. You're playing with house money here. You know what I mean. You got some dubs on them, but at the same time, what do you think from his end, man? Do you think Ooh, I, I wouldn't mind evening the score here? Does that kind of get you motivated to know that this guy's not going to just mail this one in either
1: now he's not an easy opponent bro like we fought we fought twice already like the the uh, the first fight was such a close fight even though know, standing striking uh you the the ground portion was a very close fight second fight obviously i had my success with you know the body kicks but um ben's a competitor bro like I nothing but respect for that dude like you know we've been we've been doing this for you know 10 years plus now each um and he's still competing at the highest level man so i know he's coming to bring it um obviously he has something to prove uh, you know, every time that Showtime kick, you know, they basically made the promo off that Showtime kick. I heard the pit was designed off of that, the Karate Combat pit. Mm-hmm. So for sure, I think Ben's, you know, going to come out there and try to even the score up. So, I mean, I'll, I'll be ready for whatever he brings. Mm-hmm.
2: By the way, that first fight was something else. You think one day it should be in the Hall of Fame for the UFC, which owns WEC rights and all that? You think it was it was on that level?
1: I mean, they use the highlight in every uh, pay-per-view, so I, I mean, I, I definitely think it should be up there. Uh, you know, the, the fight was back and forth, you know, until, yeah. that, until that Showtime kick, you know, we didn't know who the winner was gonna be. I didn't know who the winner was gonna be. And then, you know, I land that Showtime kick, and I feel like that just gave me the edge to get that belt, um, one of these belts right here. But, uh, so I think uh, for, 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 you know, Hall of Fame stuff, I think we gotta wait till we retire. We gotta like, you know, see you know, me and Ben are still active.
2: This is true, this is true. Um, I think Guida is part of one of those, and he's still active. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah.
0: definitely.
2: Yeah, I I just remember it being I think two two right going into round five, and yep. that definitely sealed the deal. I just remember Stuff and Bonner, man, rest in peace. He almost <laughs> know, right? came out yeah. of his chair along yeah, with man. everyone else that was either there or uh, you know in, um, in person.
1: Yeah, man, right, Bonner. You know his his quote will always live in my heart. You know, like you know, he ran off the wall like a ninja. You know, see, so yeah, it definitely uh-huh. rests. In-
2: Rest in peace yeah. the Bonner. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. And so have you consulted other – have you done your own research or consulted under others as far as, like, the familiarity of the rules, the pit? You know, I goes was interviewing somebody the other day as well. Um, and I think it was actually for Karate Combat. It was Sam Alvey. Just a simple angle going from six-sided to four-sided to eight-sided to perfectly round can throw some people off. Do you think it could throw you off?
1: Well, I think the uh, the the pit, the way it's angled, that's something I never fought on before. You know, fighting on my back at, a, I don't even know the degree of the angle, but, you know, I've seen the guys on their back and, you know, trying to defend, you know, when you're not on the ground and, you know, you're, just, you're the defense the isn't there. Like, a lot of my moves come from jumping off the fence, bouncing off the fence. Um, So I think defensively, it definitely changed it up. But I feel like offensively, I'm going to be able to use it to my advantage. You know, I'll be able to jump off that thing. I'll be able to climb up it, walk around it. So I'm excited to go in there and have some fun with that.
3: Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the training? I know you mentioned you have been doing some boxing. Uh, The going back and forth, how is that for you? Some fighters say that sometimes it takes them like a little bit for them to just kind of get back into the throwing kicks versus the boxing, the angles as George brought up, the positioning and all that. What's that like going back and forth with the training?
1: I love it, bro. I think I'm a a martial artist my whole life. So I feel like, um, you know, the high level boxers I'm sparring with, I mean, Laura, world champ. I mean, he's fighting Danny Garcia coming up soon like that level of competition it's it's hard to get that you know it's even even in the MMA world you know like it's it's hard to get a guy that that's good with that skill level. Um and he's a Southpaw. So I mean we 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 purposely purposely chose a Southpaw for me to, you know, use my keep continual boxing, you know, sparring. Um because I know I'm kind of getting ready for you know for whatever's coming off all for next year. Um but I am a lifelong martial artist. You know, this is something I've done forever. Like like I come from a point sparring background. So I feel like this this favors me definitely, you know, like having having the ability to throw any strike I want without having to worry about, you know, getting taken down or getting pressed against the fence. I mean, if you watch our first couple of fights, a lot of his success came from that, pushing me against the fence, holding me on the fence, um, doing some moves that I've you know, never seen before on the fence, but he won't have that opportunity this one round. So I feel like this one, this like, that's why I said yesterday, is it plays well into what I've done my whole life.
3: Anthony, so this matchup in my mind has been a nightmare to break down because I feel like there's so many little subplots in here. And I try and put myself in Benson Henderson's shoes and we were talking about the Showtime kick. And, I, and I'm thinking, look, You've got two wins on him, so he's not going to even score there. But do you think is there a little part of him that you think might want to get that back as far as the Showtime kick? Like something that dazzles the fans that he can maybe land on you, you know, spinning attacks, that, that sort of stuff. You think that's something in the back of his mind maybe? i think he definitely wants to win
1: you know i'm not sure how he wants to do it but i mean uh ben has some kicks bro like when we fought our first fight he has some you know he comes from a taekwondo background too He has, you know he does some karate experience i saw him doing an interview talking about how he was doing the shin kicks to me learning from a karate guy um but i think uh you know it's just my style like when i when i when i fight i'm not trying to be flashy that's just how i fight you know like when i when i jump i spin i i that's just that's just how I, I i grew up training you know so i feel like um I think he definitely wants to win. And I know like with, with this rule set, we got three minute rounds. um, It's one of those things. I just got to be on my game the whole time.
3: When do you think you'll know? um, You know, a lot of people talk about jujitsu when they step on the mat. It's like that first class they know I've fallen in love with this. When do you think you'll know about karate combat? Because you have mentioned that you want to continue boxing as well.
1: Oh man, I, I, Karate Combat's, I've done like what, what Karate Combat has put together is a platform for traditional martial artists to compete at the highest level. Because when MMA came up, you know, all, all the traditional guys like me, I was, you know, third degree black belt competing in in taekwondo competitions since i was a kid there was just no place for us to perform at you know like when the uh, ISK, uh tournaments went away and, and not really went away but they kind of fell back from ufc so all of us kind of had to change change our, our game plan you know if we wanted to be the best martial artists we had to do a mixed martial arts so i think uh karate combat has gave, gave us a platform to you know compete at this highest level and they're still building man like i, I love what they're doing with their production um everything that i've done so far I was very professional
3: You know, your name gets brought up a lot because you've, like you said, you're a martial artist and you've competed in just about everything you could possibly do, but your name got brought up in BKFC, and when it got brought up, nobody went, you're crazy. We all went, hey, that'd be a lot of fun. Would you be open to something like that, Anthony? Uh, BKFC, Mike Perry, someone like that?
1: I mean that's definitely different than something I've ever done before, man. Like that bare knuckles, sit. that's it. That's like it real, real like fighting, bro. You know you're gonna get cut. You know, you're gonna I mean, I think Eddie had like two broken orbitals after that fight. So I mean, I would have to talk to my wife about that one. But I mean, I feel like I'm, a, man, I'm up for anything, bro. I've been, I've, I've boxed, I've done mixed martial arts my whole life. Um, now I'm gonna be doing karate combat. So I wouldn't say no to it, but it's something I definitely would have to like talk to my coaches about, talk to my team about, make sure it made sense for you know, everything.
2: Something tells me a guy from Milwaukee has probably done the no, <laughs> no uh, bare knuckle. Just it wasn't legal. You know what I mean? But. <laughs> I,
1: I had the, the crazy thing about me is man, like before I got into mixed martial arts, I was always in the street fights. And then my mom put us in mixed martial. Or, with Taekwondo was our first martial art, and yeah. uh, it taught me the respect, the discipline, you know, the self esteem of of what I'm doing as a martial artist. And uh, you know, I I, I don't think I, I I was in a street fight ever since then. You know, like as a kid, once I started understanding the 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 meaning behind martial arts did you get
2: kicked out of a lot of schools
1: No, it was before before any of that happened I, it was like there's kids in the neighborhood we so we had a trampoline uh, we take we took the trampoline out so we had like just the circle of the inside right. of the trampoline and we would all just go after it man so i had cousins that box and then me and my brother had like, the kicking and like you know we, we we already like had experience with that bruce lee basically made, made me a fan of that so mm-hmm. we would take all the kids from the block and we would just go we would go at it bro like we'd have two guys in there to see who was the best
2: Nice. You still keep in touch with those guys, and have those guys become fans of yours? being that you took it to a, a, a whole nother level?
1: Yeah. So I just had APFC in Milwaukee, and I had them all out there, bro. So yeah, they all, they all, they all show the respect. Um, a lot of them breakdance now, which is crazy. They they transferred into breakdancing because so I used to breakdance too as a kid. But uh, so one of the one of the guys his name is named Antonio. He uh, started a, a club for kids that can't afford, you know, a, a under underprivileged kids. He has a huge breakdancing club out in Milwaukee. So I brought him out onto the show. Uh, they were doing a little performance cool. for us. It was it was cool.
2: Yeah. All right. Were you more like the the popper or you were doing- power moves? Yeah, I was a power move guy.
1: Windmills, flares, head spins. I used to do head spins on a cement. That was like kind of what I was known for. Like I would just go out there and do head spins on no, no, no uh, cardboard or linoleum. None of that shit. I just go right <laughs> on
2: the cement and head spin. Have you ever posted any of that from on, on your Instagram or anything from back in the day? Do you even have footage of that? I don't even think I have footage of that, man. Actually, you know
1: what? So we used to do uh, the halftime show for the Bucks. So I mean, here. I'm here sure, yeah mm-hmm. so we hit we hit, we're we're into it bro like yeah so like the uh christians it was called the christian center it was the center for like all the kids that you know after school they had nothing to do we would all go hang out there and uh like a couple of kids were break dancers and then my whole crew just got into it and then it was like crew versus crew and then we all came together and we formed like this uh i guess uh, a crew to go to the, to the bucks that we were doing halftime shows at the bucks wow all right yeah
2: you yeah. must have been pretty good if they got If you got, I still do it,
1: bro. Yeah, my older brother. So my older brother was good too. Uh, Serge never really did it, but you know, me and my older brother were were definitely into it. We had cardboard at every every family party. We'd pull it out. Uh, We were were always practicing.
2: Do you remember back in the day, Alfonso Rivero used to sell a cardboard, and some kids would buy it, and it was tailor-made for that. I mean, I'm talking about 30 years ago when it was first started. Bro, we, would,
1: we would go around to like Walmart, uh, Targets, and find just the big TV boxes, and we would just break them all down, tape them up on the bottom, and then you would have a you would you'd put it right in front of your yard.
2: That'd be one hell of a way to, um, you know, get the KO or something, and then you do that celebration. <laughs> Maybe hit some windows. Yeah. yeah
3: exactly.
2: Um, all right, last question here. Since we've talked breakdancing and street fights and karate combat and everything, just because, like, we have to brush up on our interviews. We talk to you all the time, but still, one thing that jumped out of me was you left on a two-fight win streak at age 33 from the UFC, why did that happen? I mean, you were a, a guy that could fill a fight night card at the top as a main eventer. You could pay-per-view headline. You did it. You won a world title. Um, was was there ever a clash at the end or, or did you leave on good terms? Would you ever even go back? Are you done with MMA? I know it's a long question. Maybe you can cover that for us.
1: No, I left on great terms, honestly, bro. Dana White's like one of the guys that I have the most respect for. Like I always tell him, every time I see him, bro, I'm like, thank you for everything because he was he allowed me. Man, I bought my mom her house with you know the UFC with what I've done in the UFC. Um, so yeah, I mean, no, no bad terms at all. I'm actually my fight show is on UFC Fight Pass, so like I still have APFC, I still do business with them. I mean, I'm at I'm at the uh, PI all the time. I see him at all the fights um the reason why i left during the time i did is i kind of fought everybody I, I fought everybody at 55 i moved up to 45. i went i mean we moved down to 45 then i went up to 70. my last two fights were at 70. and uh, you know i was kind of like in a position where I'm like man what else can i do for this company where else what else can where else can i go um and then you know i just i knew i was i was a prize fighter so i was looking for the next best opportunity and at that time man pfl came out with a, with a crazy opportunity for me like I, I think i was a free agent for like less than a month and I went down to Miami, I met with my my agent, and you know he said, yo, we got a couple opportunities, like, do you want to hear him out? And PFL came with a strong one. They allowed me to be at a box still. They allowed me to, to kind of do what I wanted to do, like, as far as, like, outside of MMA, and that's what I was kind of looking for. And I I knew I, like, even now, like, it took me a little bit of time to box, but I, I, this year I will, I will definitely have some big
2: boxing fights. Are you uh, contractually still with PFL? Or um, I have
1: you, a, I have a pay per view fight with them. I think that's going to be April, or oh, April or okay. May. I'm waiting for them to announce that. But yeah, so my MMA fight will be one more with the PFL. But I'm allowed to do this karate combat. I'm allowed to box. So I'm I'm kind of making money everywhere.
2: I only ask because Thompson's fighting here next month. You beat him. Oliveira was on a tear for a long time. You know, you beat him. You beat some guys that are maybe no longer there. But obviously, you know you're you're a pretty uh, damn good lightweight and even old jim miller's still chugging along and i remember you beat him yeah,
1: Clay, and so clade is yeah. over there brother so many good so many guys that are still you know.
2: that's why i wondered forever. if if that ever was if there was ever a chance yeah i mean
1: i wouldn't say i wouldn't say no to that bro i, I think um you know if, if, if the opportunity made sense i definitely would uh, you know explore that i mean earlier this year i was thinking about you know trying to do a another comeback in the ufc but i mean i i got i, I want to focus boxing this year and then you know, those karate combat deal and you know i already have my yeah. member platform right now so i feel like i'm gonna. Right great position to uh you know make a lot of money as a prize fighter
2: yeah no definitely three boxing karate combat that pfl pay-per-view hell your 2024 is booked but hey doors (laughs) are open and you do seem to conduct yourself as a professional prize fighter like no hard feelings here you know there's no bad reputation on the street that we hear of so yeah uh, that's awesome all right man well listen thanks for always giving us some time here on mma junkie radio Good luck with the rest of your training for Karate Combat, which comes up, folks, on December 15th, free on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com forward slash Karate Combat and subscribe and check it out. He will be dancing against an old foe, Benson Henderson. Thank you, Anthony. Great talking Appreciate to you. Appreciate guys. Have a right. good one. You think Showtime's going to take me up on that, Goes? You think he's going to break dance after his fight if he wins?
3: I think that'd be cool. Why not, right? Just spin so. on your head and uh, on concrete. I gotta imagine. Well, the mat might burn, huh? But still.
2: I think one of his cornermen should have, like he said, just go to Best Buy, find one of them TVs that someone discarded or whatever, and you'll have your uh cardboard you know, the box the cardboard and you can spin on that. That was funny. He just threw that out there. I would have never
3: guessed it. But so his crew is so good they did it for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, there's gotta be footage somewhere. If it were WWE, it'd be easy, right? You just grab a sign from one of the thousands of signs that are in the crowd. Are you allowed to bring signs at a UFC? That's a good question. I mean, you can bring flags, so I wouldn't see why not. I don't know if you
2: could just bring it and hold it there. But why hasn't someone done that? I don't know. Hmm. What would be your sign? Mm, just bled, maybe. How about, hey, Dana, promote promote
3: me to better seats or something like that? Right. you never know right yeah i think you at what point do you just give up like swing bout yeah you just enjoy where you're at um
2: bryce mitchell is stepping in for giga Chikatsi. Chikotsi tore his groin while training for his upcoming fight against josh Emmett. heck we had giga Chikotsi on the show we talked to him and he was ready to go man this was about a week ago a few days after that, apparently, this t- took place. So Bryce Mitchell steps in. It is short notice, and maybe I'm being a little harsh on the whole Tim Elliott situation. He's he's kind of doing us a favor, I suppose. But uh, yeah, him versus uh Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett goes from facing a dangerous striker to now a dangerous grappler. Now, where mm-hmm. he's at, and, look, he's a veteran. He's faced all kinds of tough cats, right? But where he's at, luckily, it's a gym that has all kinds of killers that can test you in many ways. But glad uh, I guess
3: I'm glad that he took the fight. I was just about to say that. Like, just think about the rounds that you're getting there with some of the guys that have very similar um, skill sets, right? Like Elkins, Faber. I bet you Castillo even gets in there. I mean, like, that's, they're just constantly uh, – pushing you so this one might not be as big of a, of a shock mm-hmm. as uh maybe finding out you gotta face tim elliott yeah this is true um
2: we had well i guess i'll save that one for just a minute there was another uh switch well this is a nice fight booking that was just made macy Barber against Caitlin Chukagian. This is UFC 299. This one will be in March. I believe this is the one that's going to be headlined by Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. I'm not sure of the location. I don't think that's been released. We just know that in January, UFC 297 is in Toronto. In February, UFC 298 is in Anaheim. But in March, UFC 299, I don't know where this is taking place. So All I can tell you is... This fight's been added. Macy Barber's been on a roll, goes, and Kaylin Chikagan she's been like a John Fitch was to the welterweights. She's been mm-hmm. everyone but the champ. Um, so it's a great test for Barber to see if she's ready to take the next step. Who's eight and two, by the way, in the UFC.
3: I immediately, when I hear matchups, try and break them down in my head, like what do I what do I see happening, and this one's one that I feel can go many ways because there they are two really tough opponents so i think it's going to be interesting and i have a feeling it might get lost in the shuffle a little bit but come fight night you should be excited about this fight because it 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 should be good
2: i'm a macy barber fan for one i thought you know her being the future she was too young at the time to even come by the mandalay bay you had to be 21 to come in uh at first i was like take it easy macy you know Breaking John Jones' record as youngest champ ever. That's not easy, but okay. And then she took a couple losses. She had an injury. She was down on herself. But, man, she's picked herself up. She's mm-hmm. had some nice wins. But then when we met her at the expo, she could not have been more down to earth. I became a Macy Barber fan. And, of course, her fight against Amanda Matahivas was something else.
3: Oh, it was a great fight. And she had just come off of that, right? Yes. Yeah, I think it was like only a week before or something like that. She always seems like she's in a good mood. She always seems like she's training. So uh, I think overall that fight's going to be a good one. They're rounding out the card.
2: So far, it's Vera challenging O'Malley. pretty sure that's your main event. Barber against Chukagian. Munoz, Pedro Munoz against Kyler Phillips. And Asu Almabeyev versus CJ Vergara. So they're still slowly putting that fight card together and this will give me a chance to plug something on our website whether you go through the free app that we have for mobile phones and tablets or if you just go to our laptop or go on your laptop or desktop to our website there's a tab there called schedule click that and you'll have all the information to all the upcoming cards dates locations times if the info has been released we're all over it like like this fight card We just know that UFC 299 is taking place on March 9th. It's a pay-per-view. I told you who the headliner is. I don't know the information, although in the article, it does say Miami is the front runner for this event. And it makes sense because last year they went to Miami and they said they hit a home run. Mm -hmm. So I could see them wanting to go back. It's a red state. By that, I mean those have been the easier states to work with for the UFC and commissions and everything since coming back from the pandemic. So I could see that one almost being a slam dunk for them. And remember, in March, they used to come to Las Vegas, but they're not doing that this time. UFC 300, though, is in April. I could see that one being in Las Vegas. So kind of makes sense that this one time in March, uh, it wouldn't be in Las Vegas. It was the first week of March for like the last seven or eight years. Here in Vegas, you could count on it, but not this time. This time they're going to, the rumor is Miami. So anyway uh and then there was one other fight booking that i wanted to go over and then we're gonna talk to michael chandler and i'm not sure if i have it do, do you know which other one there was Goes or did i cover them all i guess i already said Mohammed Mokayev is mm-hmm. fighting alex perez in saudi arabia in march but i think that might have covered it molly mccann makes strawweight debut Goes. did you hear about that one no molly mcmahon mccann who's been a flyweight She's facing Diana Belvita at Strawway at UFC Fight Night on February 3rd. You know, if she can retain that power and get quicker, she could be a little bit of a problem, you know, because of the power. But whew, jean Wei jean- jean Lee is something else. And Rose, who's – I don't know if she's going to come back or what she's going to do. She's tough as well. Carla Sparza i'm not sure if she's ever coming back did she ever kid yet yeah carlos parza yeah oh, okay cool yeah maybe three months ago or something yeah like, so uh, who knows if she'll come back or not but anyway uh all right michael chandler it's been a while since we had him on the show we'll bring him back he's got a lot going on we gotta talk to him to see when this Fight with Connie Mack might go down, and about his new business venture. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and goes always deliver the big names. Michael Chandler joins Junkie Radio again. It's been a minute, Michael. How are you, sir?
0: I'm good, man. Good to see you guys, man. Junkie Nation, what's up?
2: <laughs> awesome hey listen um the tequila brand hiatus and you are in a partnership right i want to get this straight you're just not the fighter that's sponsored or nothing like that it's partnership is different sounds like you're along for the ride on many different fronts not just promoting it but uh this is part of your business portfolio i guess
0: yeah i mean as, as you guys know man I've, I've spent uh my entire career with kind of an entrepreneurial mindset not just relying on that one fight paycheck, but taking that fight paycheck and then turning it, you know, sending it out and letting it go find friends, if you will. Um, so yeah, it, this is not a brand ambassadorship. This is, this is an actual business partnership. I made an investment in hiatus tequila. Um, I am in the, in the mission, uh, that Christopher DeSoto, our founder started, um, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, his, his goal was to take hiatus tequila, tequila for tequila people um that is authentically and true to to the actual um to the actual heritage of what tequila is supposed to be aside from the the new age tequila stuff that's on the shelf so it's uh it's been awesome and uh i knew from my first conversation with him that i wanted to be in uh um, business with him i wanted to be part of his mission so he was uh courteous enough to let me invest in the company and now we are business partners and uh we are uh excited to take it to uh all
2: corners of the earth does this come from the days University of Missouri? You and the boys afterwards sipping on some tequila. May, I know you spent some time down in San Diego. Maybe you crossed that border to Tijuana and came across tequila. Then, when did the love for tequila come?
0: Man, it's actually funny. You know, when you bring up you know back in the college days and that kind of stuff, a lot of people and I and I spoke to Chris DeSoto, our our founder, about this. A lot of people's first experience with tequila is not so great, right? You know, you go to a bar, maybe either you're having Sweet. a shot at tequila or you're drinking some of these other tequila companies that we will not name, but, um, you know, it's just not, it's not pleasurable. It's not enjoyable. It's not a good taste. Right. But once your palate, you know, once you start getting to a place to where you can actually start buying or purchasing or be around people who actually have a love for good tequila made with made in the right process with the right distilleries and not a bunch of stuff added and, and rectification processes and some of the stuff that's on the market these days. Um, you start to actually realize, okay, this is what tequila is supposed to be like. This is what an agave spirit is supposed to taste like. So um as I got a little bit older and I was able to start, you know, dabbling in and buying good tequilas, my love for tequila started um probably once I yeah, probably once I was living in in San Diego and then moved to Nashville um after that. And uh yeah man, it's uh once my friend my friend introduced me to hiatus, he said, Hey, you gotta try this uh tequila um it's the best tequila I've ever had. Then, from the first sip, I loved it. I bought a case of it from uh, from Hiatus. Passed it around to all my friends. They all loved it. And I said, "Hey, there's something here. I need to meet this guy. I need to meet the guy who created this." And lo and behold, here I am. He was, like I said, gracious enough to let me invest in the company.
2: And uh, now we're going to be uh, on this mission to to spread the word. Michael, it's been about a little over a year since the last time you competed. And I wanted to ask you, did this pursuit start even before that? Or was this something that I guess you were able to maximize the time that you weren't fighting to again, add to what you want, always wanted to do. And that's how businesses across different platforms. Yeah. I mean, I,
0: I think I was actually introduced to hiatus a little bit before that last training camp. So last late summer, September or something like that. Um, and then obviously everything moved forward, um, going, uh, Uh, with obviously the rest is history, me actually meeting the founder and then making an investment in the company. And this is, this has been a a pursuit that's been happening over probably about the last year. Obviously, we just made the announcement, um, in the last 24 hours, but this, this to me feels like forever, an announcement we've been trying to make forever. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, um, as far as that, as far as a hiatus goes, man, it's been about a year and it's been, it's been awesome. And we, we've built out a team and and a strategy and, and our, our growth path actually includes, uh, Nevada. So, uh, I'm heading out to Nevada for UFC 296, I believe. What is that? The one in a couple weeks, and uh, so we're going to be sipping some hiatus out there, visiting in a couple of accounts because we're going to be expanded to Nevada soon. So you will, uh, I'll have to, we'll have to toast the, uh, some good uh, hiatus tequila with you guys.
3: Yeah, I think I know some guys from Nevada that uh, might be <laughs> yeah. tequila. <laughs> yeah,
0: we got, I got you guys. <laughs>
3: um, hey, Michael. So having a business, uh, you're right. This is something that like from day one has always been on your mind. You've always talked about that. When we interview you about mixed martial arts, uh, we always talk a little business as well. So it is something that I know you've been talking about. But uh, once fighting resumes, you know, once you get your fight, your date, everything's good to go. How much of it gets put like no, no pun intended on the shelf or <laughs> how much of, of it is day to day? Like wh- what role does it play in your life at that point?
0: Yeah, a lot of it will be put, being put on the shelf all around the country while I'm training. Um, but, you know, I mean, see, the the good thing in the way that I've always looked at it is I've, I've been a part of an individual sport, right? I've always, I was the 157 pounder at Mizzou. I was the 152 pounder at Northwest High School. I'm the uh, an individual fighter at all the gyms that I train at. But without the team, without the training partners, training with you side by side, without the coaches teaching you what you need to know, the game plan and, and the striking, the wrestling, the grappling, all the different aspects of it, without the people, there is no success, right? So yeah, I'm not, I'm not the head of sales and I'm not the head of marketing and I'm not the head of the CEO CEO, and I'm not in all these roles where 24 seven, I'm going to have to do all these business decisions. I know my role and my role is to help with the ideas, to help grow ideas that will help the forward trajectory of the company in coinciding with, um, and in conjunction with the great team that hiatus has. So Right now, I'm not training for a fight, so I have a lot of extra time. When I go into training camp, Monica, our CMO, knows she can't be saying, hey, we need you to do 10 interviews in one day. I'm like, hey, I'm training, right? So we, you can kind of, it ebbs and flows, but everything ebbs and flows when it comes to business, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to life, training, everything. So um, I've gotten pretty good at kind of compartmentalizing it all, and I can work on it when I can work on it, and I can be fully and solely focused on Training when I need to be training, focused on my family when I need me to be focused on my family, and I do a pretty decent job of juggling it all. And like I said, it all goes back to the people. The reason I love hiatus isn't just because of the beautiful bottle and the actual tequila inside of it, but the people and the mission behind it. And you can't grow without people, and we got some great people. So we let them uh, we let them do their work, operate
2: within their gifts, and I'll operate within mine. You know, I'm fifty four, going on fourteen. So, yeah. bear with me here, all right. <laughs> Tell me if this is the craziest thing you've ever heard or what. Scratch your walkout song and come out to and the whole crowd just goes tequila. come dude. on michael hey that's a
0: freaking good idea. Hey, luckily our c m o uh should be on the call right now she's probably gonna take she's writing notes, it down Monica. she's already writing it yeah, down on her the the behind. Say,
2: that's brilliant.
0: Yes, Monica is the mastermind behind behind uh, all of our marketing stuff too. That's a freaking pretty good idea. We'll at least do some cool social content or something with that song. But that's uh, that's genius. I like that.
2: All right. Now, of course, you know we miss you fighting in the sport, man. You're one. You're the type of guy that we love to cover, guy or gal, because you define the word fight. When you get in there, it's a freaking fight. And of course, it's been a while, and I know that this is tied up with the return of your opponent or whatever but can you kind of give us i guess an idea because we just want to see you fight michael we've seen you fight even before uh michael chandler blew up right and so we've we've been on this ride we we heard ufc 300 in april and then the coach of the opponent came out and said maybe international fight week what can you update us When, when do you and the irishman throw down
0: Man, I yeah. Nobody wants nobody wants a fight announcement more than me. Uh, but I, as of right now, um, I've just been told it's definitely happening uh, the first half of next year. Um, obviously, speculation would say that you know January, February, March they're all booked. And they're ready to they're ready to announce this big UFC 300 card. I'm sure today was Tuesday. They were a couple miles away from you guys at the UFC headquarters talking about all the different matchups and putting together probably some really cool super fights and whatnot. Um, so when you have a card such as UFC 300, which people have rumored us to be on, um, I have not been told UFC 300, but I sure would not say no, because that's going to be a nice big card. Um, that I would, I obviously I would, uh, I would prefer that. That would be awesome. Um, but I'm just, you guys know me, I'm always in the gym. I'm training at this point. I've already waited a year. So what's waiting another couple months, you know, each month that goes by, I'm kind of like, ah, whatever, man, I'm still on hiatus, you know? So it's kind of fitting, right? Hiatus. I've been on this yeah. hiatus for a year. And, uh. There's been a lot of good things that have come from this hiatus and uh, spending time with my family and finding out exactly who I am outside of the, just the fight game and, and being a fighter. Um, but I got I got a, I got a you know, hat tip to Connor and Coach Kavanaugh. You were alluding to Coach Kavanaugh talking about July and all this other stuff. Man, these guys are master manipulators of the storyline. They love to say little things that are true or are not true, or they're so blatantly obvious that they sound like they're not true. Dropping little breadcrumbs, making you guys the media. Myself, the opponent, and everybody else in the entire world on pins and needles, wondering what the real information is. These guys are very, very good at the art of mental warfare and saying whatever they need to, whether it be calling out other fighters, talking about the trilogy with Nate Diaz, pushing it back to July, then talking about fighting in December, then talking about the UFCs keeping me from my livelihood, all these different things that just may or may not be true. So I'm staying in the course. I'm focused on becoming the best version of myself for when I do get in there and compete against. The greatest comeback in combat sports history, Connor keeps calling it, and I believe I finish him with the, within the first two rounds, and then we sip some tequila after.
2: There you go. But I do want to be clear on one thing because people will pick words apart. When you say you are willing to fight three at 300, but we've established that uh, Kavanaugh said his guy might return in July or whatever, did you mean you would fight someone else at 300 if given the opportunity, or are you solely focused on McGregor?
0: I'm solely focused on McGregor. I was merely saying that I believe it's smoke and mirrors and I don't think uh, they have okay. any intention on waiting till July. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I've been asked numerous times, Hey, what's the hard date that you say? Hey, when I get to this date, I'm calling up Hunter, I'm calling up Dana and I'm going to say, Hey, okay, screw Connor. I want to fight somebody else. I don't have that date in mind. We're going to get to the end of the year. I'm going to enjoy a beautiful Christmas with my family here in Nashville, Tennessee, which I don't always get to do in this beautiful thing. We call the fight game. And, uh, once the first of the year hits, we're really going to start, you know, putting putting rubber to the road and uh, trying to figure this thing out. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully we get an announcement that first month or so of, of 2024.
3: Michael, is this going to feel any different? Because you've had huge fights in your career, belts, accomplishments. Um, but will this one have a different taste, a different feeling because of who he is and because of maybe a little bit of the weight as well?
0: Yeah. I mean, the weight is definitely going to add a little bit of fuel to the fire. Um, you know, I also been thinking about, like I said, I've done a lot of work on myself of, of who I am outside of just fighting. Right. And I don't, I don't need to fight. I want to fight. Right. I could, I could, I could lay the gloves down right now. And, and we're talking about hiatus and we're talking about these other companies. We're talking about investments and we're talking about the business mind and the, the business relationship that I have. I don't have to fight. I want to fight. I enjoy fighting. So once you get to the point and you cross over to where you don't have to do something anymore, to live but you want to do it you want the biggest fights possible man you guys were my first big interview back in mandalay bay or whatever it was and randall Allman said hey man you, you know my manager said you guys gotta get this guy on right and ever since then that's why we get into the sport we want the biggest fights possible under the brightest lights against the biggest name opponents and that's who connor is and that's what that's what this fight means to me that's why I am not changing course or changing direction because I'm fighting Connor and he's fighting me. He, he has to go through me to come back to the UFC. So, um, you know, I'm excited about it. I still believe it's going to happen. Um, I'm hundred percent positive that it's going to happen barring any kind of crazy, um, circumstances in this, in, in this fighter in the future. Um, and, uh, man, I just want battlegrounds of epic proportions and it doesn't get any bigger
2: than me versus Connor. It's always great catching up with you, Michael. Hope to see you soon in Vegas, and uh, thanks for the time today.
0: Heck yeah, man! Thank you guys. Yeah, holler at me when uh, when uh, I'm in Vegas that week. I'll come by the studio.
2: Okay, thanks. sounds great.
0: We might we might even sip some tequila. I don't know.
2: <laughs> oh, definitely. You, I know I am. He's sticking to his guns. He says he wait. He's waited this long. He'll just continue waiting. He's um, got it
3: right. I mean, you're in this deep.
2: Yeah, I, I guess the one thing I'd like to ask him is. Is there just this huge drop off in terms of the money you're getting? Get gonna get paid? Is it that, or is it just you want to be locked in with the Irishman on a fight week and soak up everything that comes with it? Um, I think so, because you know a lot of time has gone by, and if he could have racked, I mean, it's been over a year. If he could have racked up two wins, now all of a sudden people are talking about you. Remember, it was 18 months ago that Armin Sarukian lost to Mateus Gamrot. Gamron went on to become a, an alternate. They didn't use him, but he became an alternate. And look at Sarukian. He's now one three straight, and he's in a pretty solid position.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So a lot of fighters can right that ship pretty quick, but this one's the unicorn. That's the unicorn matchup, and he's sticking to his guns. Uh, I'm not going to hate him for it. I just hope McGregor doesn't punk him and go in another direction. Oh, that would
3: be just the ultimate worst thing that could happen to a fighter. But I think one thing that doesn't get talked about in this situation, too, is the fact that if he does fight him, don't look at it as just one fight, one big payout. Because who knows if it's that good? Maybe they fight a second time and it's even bigger, right? Like, you, you never know. There's just so much the door is so big when when you're attached to to Conor McGregor that i think he's just in this far i'd just like to ask him one day like how much do you think you would have made you know had you fought two other guys or something like uh how crazy is the money going to end up being we don't know exactly it uh
2: maybe just maybe it's not the money and it's this Congrats on hiatus tequila for him, by the way. That's could be very lucrative. Uh, I think Howlerhead's done well for Dana White, and Prime did well for Logan Paul, and 12 yeah. Proper 12's done well for Conor McGregor. And I, I'm not sure what Masvidal's status is with, with his Mezcal, I think it's called, right? Or something like that.
3: Yeah. He act he like in the interview. He goes, "Hey, hiatus! Like, what am I?" I actually thought it was called hiatus because it was something that came about while he's been gone. But I guess that is just a coincidence. Maybe I don't know.
2: I don't know. I don't know either. But he's an investor, which is what McGregor was. I, I saw them differently. I saw McGregor's more like, "All right, I have a popular name. How much are you gonna pay me? Let's do this." I really see uh, Chandler as someone who would fly to Mexico or fly wherever and tour and, and look into this and go after it from that standpoint. I might be wrong. I've heard McGregor talk about the whiskey and you know beers and how they're pour, poured and things like that. And so he's no rookie in that department. But you know, if you'll recall, there was a genesis to the breakup between Artem Lobov and Conor McGregor and Artem swears it was his idea. Mm -hmm. He says, you can make a lot of money, but I think you would do well with this. And the other guy said, all right, let's, you know, let's run with it. But I can't wait to taste it. I'm a tequila fan and good for Michael Chandler. He's maybe this'll be the more lucrative business decision. He makes all of his life, even above fighting. I'm telling you, you get yourself attached to a, a drink that takes off. Co- you know Kobe Bryant goes, what was the name of his
3: drink? It's right behind you, no? I forgot it though. Uh Prime, not Prime, sorry. That's, that's uh... Oh my god, what was it? It's the purple one right there, right?
2: Body Armor, that's right. Yeah. He made more more from Body Armor, I believe, than from uh playing basketball.
3: Really? I thought he made I and thought it was he made a, sixty million or something
2: like that. it was a pretty quick sale. No, I think it was, I think it was two hundred million. Really? Which, he, which even then you wonder if Kobe might have eclipsed that because towards the end he was probably making thirty million a year. Who knows what? Um, maybe he said that, or maybe he said, "In the last ten years, I played basketball." He said something where I was just blown away. Wow! But it was a lot. It was a lot. That thing just really, really took off and they sold it and i think coca-cola bought it or maybe coca-cola what the logan paul one but it says
3: 400 million
2: for kobe or for that company
3: kobe bryant scores i don't even know what the hell this word is for his family as investment in body armor yields 400 million there you go Good God. Now, he
2: played like 20 seasons, and I don't think he made $20 a year all those seasons. I'm sure his rookie contract, he made a lot less, and I'm sure a few seasons he made more. But I'm telling you, I think he made more from this than from basketball. Mm -hmm. That's nuts, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. So, one more reminder. No, two reminders. One, the watch-along. On December 16th, for UFC 296, we talked about that matchup with Brandon Royville challenging alexander pantoja for the ufc flyweight title brandon marino is your alternate in that fight the main event is colby covington as he tries to wrest the title from the champ leon edwards i'm not sure who the backup is there have they revealed it is it a balal muhammad i don't even i think Bilal said he wouldn't do it but
3: yeah have they revealed who that might be i don't think they have well i gotta guess i'd put him at the top of the list right yeah, but I I think you're right. I think he did say he wouldn't do it.
2: Yeah, so I guess I don't think they would do it with Uzman because Uzman just threw down with Hansat Shemaev. So uh, Gilbert Burns, I doubt that, and we know. Um, Shaft Cat is fighting Thompson on the same card. I guess maybe that's it since they have other welterweights on their card. That's almost like their insurance. We also have mm-hmm. Ian Edwards, sorry, Ian Gary versus Vicente Luque. So they have four uh welterweights also on that same card. Maybe they just feel like that we don't need to have a specific guy, mm-hmm. but if it was going to be someone, can't be Sean Brady. I don't, you know, think he would have told us by now. He just fought. Kelvin Gaslow, Gilbert Burns, but he's working off losses too. So I don't think it'd be him. Yeah. He beat Magni and Masvidal, but lost to Bilal. But if Bilal didn't want to give it the Burns, would Bilal allow that to happen? You know, I don't know. Anyway, that night we will have a watch along. And then every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, spinning back click. You got to catch it. Great show. Last an hour. It's live every Monday. And you can participate in it via our chat. We're going to bounce on out of here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to MMA Junkie Radio. Give us a share and a like and a retweet and all that stuff. We would appreciate it. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you on Monday.